Brace yourself, Robin. You're about to listen to the masters of the obvious. This dynamic duo will give you the sudden and strangest feeling that you are about to be utterly and madly carried away. But beware, they are criminals. They are filthy outlaws and indeed are not masters in the least. I have rarely met two girls with such potent arguments, and yet are inept fools. But if you like interviews, zany antics, and bad puns, then stay tuned. Same bat time, same bat channel. Welcome to the 24th episode of Masters of the Obvious. I'm Kirsten Bozio. And I'm Cynthia Rose. On today's episode, we have comic book artist and creator of Power Pack, June Brigman, on to talk about receiving the Inkpot Award, Stan Lee, and her comic strip work. And Kirsten and I discuss nerd news, and we play a very nerdy game of Battle Royale. But first... We'd like to remind you to go to mastersoftheobvious.com. We have merch for sale. Surprise! And if you'd like to support this pod and take advantage of free shipping in the U.S., well, we really appreciate you. And hey, are you a synthesoid? Because you're a vision. (laughs) (laughs) Check out our shop and show your support at mastersoftheobvious.com. Hey, Sin, what have you been up to this past week? Um, a lot. Oh, do tell. Well, um, I mean, I guess I'll start with some nerdy stuff. I watched like 20 minutes of The Nevers on HBO Max. It's the uh, Joss Whedon show, the new Joss uh, why? Whedon show. Why? <laughs> I, I would say never to The Nevers, personally. Yeah. That, that's a 20 minutes I'll never get back, and I will never go any more than those 20 minutes. That is it. Ne- Nevers is a great name for the show. Yeah, it's very fitting. It's very fitting. How about never again, Joss Whedon? Never fucking again. You're exiled. Go to the the, the the island of problematic gingers. Yep. We'll never see from you again. Or Ed Sheeran. I don't know what Ed Sheeran did, but I just assume <laughs> he did something. <laughs> He's got that look. Um, he does. I am all caught up. No, actually, as of today, I'm not all caught up with uh, the new the new season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, I don't oh, know they who they announced won. a winner. Apparently. I know, and I don't want to know yet. Don't don't ruin it for me. I'm not. I'm I'm seasons behind. Don't worry about me. So I think I know who won my I have a guess who won, but um, I am. Don't say it out loud because it'll be like WandaVision. Right. I'm, I will say that I am so obsessed with um, Got Mick, mm. uh, who is a pro makeup artist, Cade Gottlieb, and just a fucking treasure. I didn't realize they were on. Amazing. Oh, wow. I've been following them for a while. Yeah. And I just it's. I mean, obviously, having a trans man on RuPaul's Drag Race is something that's never been done before. That we know of. And true. And they are such a fucking delight. I love him so much. That's amazing. I um, have been really busy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I uh, launched my nonprofit, the Bozio Family Foundation. Yay. The board is fully stacked. The website is in progress. The Instagram and Facebook pages are up. We are getting it 5013C certified and getting some grant seed money. 
And I am really excited. It's just basically empowering the disempowered, everything from um, work, working with the queer community, anti-racism work, uh, advocating for victims and disabled people. And I am just pumped about it. Yeah. I've always done nonprofit work and philanthropy, but now it's like official. It's real. It's yours. I could apply for sainthood. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's going on. I've been working on um, with my company, Tiny Bangs, which is a, um, I mean, it's like a hybrid, kind of like a blog and a store. I've been uh, working on my spring collection. I got hundreds of pieces of vintage um, ready to be released. And then Riot's picture book, my 12 year olds um, illustrated um, autobiography is going to be dropping hopefully within the next couple of weeks. So you haven't been up to very much with what you're saying. Yeah. I've just been sleeping. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I've just um, been driving everywhere because um, my oh stepdad's God. in hospice. So I've been driving my mom back and forth to him, which really, I mean, it's a bummer and a downer, but like I've been getting to listen to a lot of podcasts and, and oh, music and yeah. stuff in the car, which is great. Well, I hope That's he stays sick. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, he's Speaking of sick people, they seem to be attracted to you because I, at the end of in a couple of days, actually, I'm going to be taking my colonoscopy and biopsy to see if I have colon cancer. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but also I could qualify for those uh, immunosuppressants, which are going to be Which is very exciting. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait for that. And I also have a friend who's in the hospital right now with a collapsed lung because they have COVID. And I know they listen to the pod. I want to respect the anonymity, but I do want to say, hey, we're thinking about you. Hey, what's up? We love you. I don't know you, but if your friend is Cynthia's, then either you're my worst enemy or my best friend. Or nothing in between. (laughs) (laughs) But I've been listening to a lot of Prince in the car, too, because, you know, he um, the anniversary of his death just passed and. (gasps) Five years, I mean, man. also my fan art, my fan art for Prince was pretty popping, pretty lit as the kids would say. <laughs> as the kids say. It was a fitting tribute. It was very beautiful. Thank you. Well, your love of Prince is inspiring and heartbreaking at the same time. And John Waters. We did some John Waters fan art. Yeah, I do love John Waters as problematic as he is. Yeah, you said he listened to uh, his interview with Mark Marin. I did. And I have mixed feelings about it. I will always love John Waters. He's just an edgelord. He is. That's just his nature. And he's a grumpy old man, which I respect. And a boomer at that. So, I mean, he's whatever. I love him. I still want to just hug him to death. (laughs) There's not much of him to hug. (laughs) Break like a breadstick. Those cracker breadsticks. He's a cracker, too. Um. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it. Anything else? Uh, No, but there's there's quite a bit of nerd news. Well, let's get into it. All right. So I just found out that Ryan Murphy has a new Netflix series coming out next month about the life of fashion designer Halston. What? Yeah. And it's starring Ewan McGregor. He did a Versace one, right? He did. But that was like a true crime. And this is like a let's explore Studio 54 and have fucking Ewan McGregor playing Halston. Shut up, really? You I'm so excited. How, how did he fit that into his schedule? It looks and... amazing. And then Rory Culkin is playing Joel Schumacher, which I don't even know how that fits Rory in. Rory Culkin. <laughs> All, the Culkins are doing great. Um, Except which is funny because mm, Noah McCauley's in the new season of American Horror yeah, Story. But you're not familiar with the news? The, with Kieran Culkin? No, with McCauley. He has a baby. You didn't hear the news? Oh, God, I don't want to talk about this on the pod. What happened? No, you have to tell me now. 
the, the whole thing about him being like very excited about having an Asian baby and like going off on like it was very cringy. Great. I'll research that later. That sounds like a mess. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get into that, but I am very excited about seeing Ian McGregor as Halston at Studio 54. Like, oof. I like Ian McGregor, but he has some weird interpersonal things too, where like he like left his yeah, wife or baby mama for Mary Elizabeth Winstead. But then, and then his daughter even like spoke out and like was like publicly shaming Mary on Instagram. Oh, <laughs> it looked like a real mess. I will always have such a fucking dear place in my heart for you and McGregor. After, I mean, Spotting. no, Velva Goldmine's my favorite movie. Ooh, you're right. Yeah. I mean, he was probably the best part of the prequels too. Oh, he fucking carried that whole thing on his back. You would, it, it sucks because Natalie Portman is such a good actress, but they really didn't give her much to work with. And it's honestly, terrible. I don't think Hayden Christensen's that bad, but again, how they wrote it. Those lines. Oh my God. Also, um, Liam Neeson. He, he, he's only in it for like one I episode. Mean, oh my God. And freaking Samuel Jackson. Oh, Sam Jackson's a fucking delight. He's pretty great in that. But yeah, the prequels right, I'm are... wrong. Other people were good. Other <laughs> people were also good. Also, all that I'm computer wrong. generated banana. <laughs> all those banana racist rama. tropes they had in there. Oh, fucking love it. You know what, though? We got to give the guy who, get, who did Jar Jar credit. He he did act the fuck out of that. Oh, <laughs> I wasn't talking about Jar Jar. I was talking about like the. Um, oh, my God. Watto? The Chinese. No, Watto too. Yes. All of it, Ugh. like oh yeah, yeah. The, oh yeah, yikes! Yeah. Um, There's a lot of yikes. <laughs> yeah, the prequel. I will defend the prequels to an extent, and then just kind of let it be. Um, yeah, let it be Macaulay Culkin. Mm. Um, I do. I still stand by the fact that the sequels are my favorite. I know. Um, I know. So, we'll we'll move on. <laughs> moving on from that. Uh, well, actually, okay. Well, staying with Star Wars news, uh, Deadline Hollywood's reporting that Pen Fifteen star Maya Erskine has been cast in Obi-Wan Kenobi. Shut the front fucking door. Right? Actually, no, leave it open. How insane is this cast? Like, I am so excited. That's so, you know, I was just thinking about like how a lot of my favorite shows are uh, written by, written and created by women starring women, like Pen15, Broad City, um, Fleabag, like all of them. Yeah, and I'm so excited to see, you know, her in Star Wars, especially, I mean, She's hilarious. She's fucking insanely and she's hilarious. gorgeous. Both of those, both of those actresses are so gorgeous, but they just play the 13-year-olds too well. It's so good. It's such a good show. I have not seen the new season though, but I'm very excited to get time <gasps> oh, to watch you're gonna it. Die. You're gonna mm. die. In other news of people joining casts, Amelia Clark is going to be on Secret Invasion. Marvel's yeah, Secret Invasion. As a scroll, do you think? Or? I have no idea. But that's exciting. You know how I stand her and I stand Danny to this fucking day. <laughs> fucking come for me. I dare um, you. It's so weird that she's and this is a total fucking side. She did Star Wars too. And she did uh Terminator. Yeah. But she's also doing Clinique commercials. Why? I, I just I, why she's not like an eighty. Garbage. She's not an eighty-year-old woman. Like why? How is she? <sighs> oh, she is. I feel like I feel like her. I feel like day-to-day Amelia is probably very low-key, and she knits and drinks tea and giggles. It's just very interesting that they she would seems be like, like a very cozy yes, girl. The lady who burned down the the thing, King's Landing. Get her to appeal to eighty-year-old women. Yes. 
I mean, it appeals to me and I'm 80. So yeah, there you go. There you go. I, I'm still holding out hope that Marvel Secret Invasion does some sort of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. crossover. Mm, I want yeah, Coulson, Coulson. Coulson. I didn't realize she was in that. What? Who? She's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Who? Amelia? No. Oh. <laughs> I need to watch that eventually. If I watch that, will you watch uh, Star Trek Discovery? There's less Discovery. You know there's seven seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D., right? I know, but there's like three or something of discovery. So it would yeah. be fair because it'll be like the, how we're trading off with Dr. Who and Twin Peaks. Yes. But you got to understand that you've got more of a basis of understanding when it comes to shield, because you know, Marvel, I basically know nothing about star Trek. You don't have to know anything about star Trek to enjoy discovery. It's fucking gorgeous. And it's okay. so gay and it's so beautiful. And it, Oh my God, you're going to fucking love it. Cool. So Rose MacGyver's new series, Ghosts, that uh, she talked about when she was on the pod, mm-hmm. it's been picked up by CBS for 13 Hell, CBS, episodes. CBS, not yeah. Walgreens? Not Walgreens, <laughs> CBS. No, CBS. Wow. CBS. Yes. And the cast looks great. It looks hilarious and wonderful. And I'm so exciting. And I don't know when it's going to air, but who's, like. Who's in the cast? I don't know offhand, but people from like what we do in the shadows and stuff like that. <gasps> Shut up. Matt Berry. <laughs> I don't know. I, I totally forget, um, but I just glanced over I fucking it. love Matt Berry. He reminds me of my husband, if my husband was gay or somehow. Um, I maybe, maybe this will make it so that people will download the CBS streaming app. <laughs> Who knows? But I mean, like, I, it might make it so I do because I'm super excited. But it'll probably, hmm. be, on, probably be on Hulu, you know? Oh, gosh. We have an in memoriam, don't we? We have two. Although the first one... Um, well, yeah, I'll let you tell it. You take it away. No, go ahead. Well, Tempest Storm, the queen of exotic dancers died at uh, 92. I, you know, what's weird is that some things came out about her. Oh, really? After her death? Like posthumous? I mean, it was apparently something that was known. Um, but I'll let you guys do a Google. Uh, but you, it's one of your favorite DVDs in high school, right? Yeah, I had the Teaserama burlesque DVD and I loved it. You know, one of my friends is um, Kitten Natividad, one of the Russ girls. Russ Myers girls? Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Um, it has Be- Betty in it too, right? Teaserama, yeah. And they together, it has a bunch of... What year was that? Ooh, I'd have to look it up. But um, yeah, it was century. Uh, it was really cool. It was really cool. It had like different vignettes. It was sort of like a Nickelodeon thing, not the show. A but, Nickelodeon you know. <laughs> thing. It was just like cat dog. But like, that's what it was called, right? Like you would go and you would like watch it someplace. You'd like put in. Oh, I thought you meant like the, <laughs> the channel. No, no. Yeah. Um, OK, I got you. Or uh, well, uh, what were they called? Is the that wrong? shows basically yeah and there, so it was like a vignette of like a bunch of different burlesque dancers so betty and her had a really cute thing together anyway but in oh gosh and very very sad news uh shock g from digital underground passed away as well that sucks i'm very very sad what a delightful human oh, how old was he not very old not very old but you know doing the humpty dance in the sky or whatever oh it's our chance to do the humpty dance <laughs> Do we want to talk about this? Do we want to talk about Caitlyn Jenner? We'll talk about it. Can I just preface this with the fact that we shouldn't, like, celebrities should not be running for office ever. Look what happened to us. 
Yeah, but I feel like, and even the 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 governor, the Schwarzenegger as governor, like, why do we do these things? Even though apparently he's become a little bit better since being in office, but right. But I feel like people in office is the worst, the worst. But we've opened that door, and I don't think we can close it. I mean, look at. I mean, well, we opened it with Ronnie president, but like, um, I don't think we can close it now. I feel like we have to have some sort of recognition i feel like the rock is the only person that could win <laughs> the rock like visually not not mentally but visually that'd be very like idiocracy i want to right i want a polynesian president let's do it yeah absolutely um i have no idea what his I platform want a polyester is. president no exclusively wears oh poly- well we'll get fucking john waters <laughs> get a polyester perfect thin um, thin mustaches only Ooh, nice uh yeah so i don't know i i hate that caitlin jenner caitlin jenner is garbage and i don't think that she well, has we haven't said what we're talking win. about we haven't oh said yeah it. well she's running for governor yeah why i don't know no one cares well it's like has a whole goddamn family gonna run for office mm-hmm. now i don't know i just really hope that She's still friends with Candace Kane because Candace Maui girl Candace Kane is uh, seems to be pretty sensible and maybe could steer her in the right direction. Because I don't, I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't even think she's going to get gonna it. Happen. But like, I, but I felt, I felt the same way about Trump and what happened. Right. Exactly. Although I feel like Trump has much more of a cult following. And I think that if Caitlin was calling out the president and all these other people on a grander stage to hype it up, maybe. But I don't know. There was definitely more of a cult of personality with Trump than with Jenner. Sure. Uh, so we got our season finale of Falcon and Winter Soldier. You haven't seen I, it, right? I haven't, but you can spoil it for me. I already know. Okay. I mean, we knew going into it. Right. I mean, it didn't really surprise in any way, shape or form. It was very straightforward. Like even with the things where I thought, oh, they're going to like make it weird and, you know, misdirection like WandaVision. No, it was very like, this is exactly what you think it is. Although so, I think it was Mephisto the entire time, even in Falcon and Winter Soldier. So, uh, you know, explored great themes and uh, the stories were good, a little heavy handed. But I did love the fact that the big <laughs> heavy handed heavy handed because Bucky has a metal arm, <laughs> which which the Wakandans, when they came, fucking boom, boom, boom. And his arm fell off. Why are you just wanting to spoil everything for you me? You said I could. Okay. Oh, it wasn't this episode, though, so I'm just yeah. going back and spoiling everything. Hey, <laughs> let's double back. Make sure we get it all. <laughs> let's make sure I shit on it for you. Um, so I do like that the big bad isn't a big, there's the, the terrorist group in it. Because, you know, there's always going to be a terrorist group. But the terrorist group isn't the big bad in the Wait, season. Are, are they bad, though? They are, but they do make it sound like, and in the end, in the heavy handed speech that Falcon gives or Captain America gives is that, you know, basically these people are pissed off for a reason. Senator fucking Hmm. get into it. Oh, I am real fucking excited about the Wakandans. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Ooh, fun, fun, fun. Not enough Wakandans for my taste, but, um, anyway, we got, uh, yeah. So the power broker wasn't the big bad. It was the U S government itself, which was which is great for me, but they could have, you know, they could have fucked that up. Do Bucky and Sam kiss? It does look like it in the end, like they're going to go off into the sunset together. But no, alas, he does flirt with Bucky. No, I'm sorry. Bucky does flirt with Sam's sister. Yeah. So we, we got some reveals. Okay. 
we got double agent Carter. We got U.S. agent and the end title screen of Captain America and Winter Soldier. Is is U.S. agent dead? Mm -mm. Uh Oh, Um, I also want to this is somewhat related because it's also Disney. Um, I want you to rewatch Rise of Skywalker and stop watching as soon as they kiss. Oh, okay, And that makes the better story. You look like you're going to cry. Yeah, I just (laughs) I just rewatched it. Watch it a lot. After they kissed, I was like, and we're done. (laughs) Self-care. Well, I do watch those movies a lot. Max loves the sequels. So I've watched them a hundred thousand times. Those are his, those are his, you know, those are his Star Wars. That's his experience. And I do love them. But anyway, Mm -hmm. so it looks like we're getting Anthony Mackie as Captain America and Captain America 4, which is great. Yeah. I fucking love Anthony Mackie. He's so cute. Next up on Disney Plus is Marvel's Loki on June 11th. We're going to celebrate with our assistant Loki. I love it. And then Black Widow on July 9th in theaters and on Disney Plus premiere. It's been over a year now since we used to get that. I don't understand why that took as long as it did. It shouldn't have. Cynthia, I want to play some March Madness with you. No, not the sports kind. I don't understand that. But this is kind of like a uh, battle royale, but with nerd IP characters. I am not prepared. Let's do it. Let's do it. Round one. Ding, 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 ding. Magneto versus Darth Vader. Now, can I ask, is this like a who would win in a fight? Yeah. Is it a fair fight? Is somebody cheating because they're bad guys? Is it who's a bigger bad or is it who's like no. physically would win this fight? Who would physically win this fight? Magneto well, versus Darth Vader. I mean, wouldn't Magneto just crush Vader's Absolutely. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. Darth Vader. Unless Darth had to jump on him and then just for force choked him to death. Um, so Magneto wins that round. So I'm, 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 I'm going to delete Darth Vader. Okay. This is now we're just moving them forward. We have to do each. We have to win each round and then we'll move them for, forward. Okay. okay. Is this a, and this is a one-on-one. This isn't like a grand scheme. Like well, at the very end when we move them on. Okay. Okay. Shrek <laughs> versus. Brock Samson for the Venture Brothers. Oh, I want Brock to advance to the end. I fucking love Brock. I fucking love Brock, too. Brock is um, vicious, man. Yeah. What's Shrek uh, going to do? Fucking fart on him? I mean, I feel like he could put up a good fight. No way. Brock would kill him. It was a fucking, he would be shirtless with a knife what in his mouth. and The donkey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got Brock winning that round. For that fight. Next is the dragon from Shrek. These are all Shrek. <laughs> the dragon from Shrek versus Drakari's the dragon from Game of Thrones. Oh, I've only, I haven't seen Game of Thrones. I mean, I think Drakari's would win. So we're going to advance Drakari's. Okay. We're going to default to my knowledge. Um, Catwoman versus Black Cat, Felicia. This is Party. good. I don't know. I'm going to go I, with. Fuck. I would say Catwoman. Really? Yeah, I think Black Cat's a little softer. Okay. And she's like a, I don't, she's a rich girl. I just default to the one that had to, you know, climb her way. Up, okay. Literally, because she's a cat. Up a tree. Scarlet Witch versus Zatanna. I mean, Scarlet Witch. 
Is that even a competition? I just wanted to take out Zatanna because DC is so inferior. Okay. Um, Alien from the movie Alien, Aliens versus Venom. Alien. What? Yeah. More than Venom? You don't, you don't think that Alien's more of a stone cold killer? I mean, yeah, but I but Venom's murder. Right. I feel like Venom. I mean, like if Ripley can take out an alien. I mean, Venom. Ripley's pretty badass. Don't, don't discount Ripley. I'm going to, sorry, I'm going to advance Venom. I think that's a pretty easy advance. All right. All right. Marceline from Adventure Time versus Edward from Twilight. <laughs> Marceline. Okay. <laughs> this one's fun. Our listeners couldn't see the look on my face, but. <laughs> yeah, she was not amused. Um, Freddie. Mm-hmm. Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy. Right. Versus Kilgrave from Jessica Jones. Ooh. Do you like that one? That's good. Oh, that's weird. That's a lot of implications <laughs> there. Yeah. Because where, where's he going to fight him? Well, both of them got take, taken out by white girls, so. I mean. Well, not forever. At least not in Freddy's case. Oh, God. Freddy doesn't really die. I feel like he has, he's way more supernatural. I think Freddy should advance. Yeah, Freddy is way more supernatural. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's just, that's, okay. why, that's why it was difficult. Garnet from Steven Universe versus She-Ra. She-Ra. Okay, I'll take that. Garnet's pretty badass, though. Um, Gandalf versus Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, white Gandalf. Why you gotta be white? Better hair. Better hair, but still wouldn't win. Um, Sailor Moon versus Bubbles from Powerpuff Girls. Aww, that's actually so, a pretty fair fight. That's Two pretty blondies. cute. I'm going to go with Sailor Moon. I agree. This one's weird. Buffy mm-hmm. versus Five from Umbrella Academy. Oh, hmm. Yikes. Fuck. Um, I mean, guns. <laughs> I actually feel like Buffy would outsmart him. Five is super smart. What are you talking about? Yeah, but he's got, but he's like physically. He's smart, handle. but he's like, but Buffy always seems to find a way to art smart people who really feel like they're Urch, smart. Urch, smart him. Well, he, okay. he she has a tendency to outsmart people who really believe that they're so fucking smart. You know? Gotcha. Yeah, totally. All right, Blade versus Lestat. Blade. Yeah, obviously. Um, Annabelle <laughs> versus. <laughs> me raggedy Ann. yeah <laughs> chucky no oh wait I'm, I'm gonna change it well no no i won't do chucky that's too obvious annabelle versus a weeping angel from doctor who you're referencing two things i have not seen um i'm gonna advance weeping angel just because it's fun i like doctor who better all right now the first top two magneto versus brock samson from venture <laughs> brothers <laughs> Oh, poor Brock. Bye, Brock. Damn it. Brock would have been really fun against like uh, Captain America. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Drakari's. This is not even fair. Drakari's from Game of Thrones versus Catwoman. Oh. Catwoman's gone. Oh. Scarlet Witch versus Venom. Venom's gone. Easy. Marceline versus Freddy. Hi, <laughs> Marceline. Um, She Ra versus Doctor Strange. She-Ra's gone. Uh, Sailor Moon versus Buffy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sailor Moon. No. Mm-hmm. She's got she's got celestial powers. So I feel like Sailor Moon. 
Buffy also has supernatural powers. Not not to that level. Blade versus a weeping angel. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> um, I'm going to give it to Blade. I'm going to give it to Blade too. All right. Now it's going to get weirder. Um, Magneto versus Jakaris from Game of Thrones. I'm going to give it to Magneto. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Scarlet Witch versus Freddy. That's a good one. That is good, but Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, yeah. You want to talk warp, warping can, reality. Right, Freddy can do that, but like, not Doctor Strange versus Sailor Moon. Doctor Strange. Blade versus Magneto. Magneto. Scarlet Witch, Doctor Strange, Doctor Strange, goodbye. We already confirmed that. In WandaVision. Okay, are we are we blowing through this too fast for the audience? Like, no, not at all. Not okay. at all. We don't need to now, get into it. Father versus daughter. Oh Magneto Jesus! Did it come down to that? Scarlet Witch. I'm gonna give it to Scarlet Witch. Ding 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 ding! March Madness goes to the one, the only Scarlet Witch. Ah, who was this like our uh, fantasy football? Like, is that? I think yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> is that what just happened? I think that's just what happened. And honestly, honestly, you bringing Scarlet Witch into it was so unfair because we know. Come on. I could have brought Captain Marvel into it. That would have made it. I think they both would have done a queen, clean sweep, but then Scarlet Witch would have got yeah. her. Oof. All right. Well, that was Scarlet fun. Witch is the winner of March Madness in April. Uh, yeah, because she wins things post. She can turn back time. Uh, Kilgrave versus Freddy was an honestly Scarlet Witch versus Freddy was interesting too. And then I love that we somehow still ended up with Doctor Strange versus Scarlet Witch at some point. Yeah. And then there was like a Magnus family fight <laughs> at the end. <laughs> Pretty Always genius. gotta come down to daddy issues, doesn't it? Oh, them daddy issues. Well, she beat her daddy issues. She beat her daddy. She literally beat her daddy. <laughs> with Jim Brigman in a moment, but now a word from our sponsor. With a name you can trust, FierceUnicorns.com is a place where you can buy comfortable face masks that are curated, thoughtfully designed, and delicious. If you are a goat. FierceUnicorns.com sells fabulous apocalypse gear like stickers, handmade face masks, and print-on-demand apparel like a shirt that looks like LaCroix but says LeCunt instead. You know, wholesome rags. Every Friday is Fierce Friday, where the queers... Hey, you can't say that. The queers in charge post a new design or two, and it's been a fun, necessary project for them ever since the pandemic targeted them specifically and took their income and punched it in the butthole. In the butthole. Use code OBVIOUS at checkout to get yourself a slick 15% off and help us squeeze more money per episode out of the male gaze. G-A-Y-S. What a great pun. Pun intended. We have June Brigman on the podcast today. She is an Inkpot recipient, co-creator of Marvel's Power Pack, artist behind works like my personal favorite, Brenda Starr, and an educator. Thank you so much for being here. That was my pleasure. I'm super excited you agreed. And you know, what's funny is that you were also, I don't know if you were interviewed or you were just mentioned in the second episode of Marvel 616 on Disney+. Plus. No, I was actually interviewed. That's was, right. Yes, they interviewed um, Louis Simonson and I for hours and hours. And then I think they used about 
five minutes. Yeah, I didn't remember you being a huge part, but I remember you being a part of it. (laughs) We kind of represented the old guard. I didn't realize this, that we've actually been collecting almost every guest on that episode. Um, We had Trina Robbins on. Wow. And we had Kelly Sudaconic, who is one of my personal friends. So uh, I guess we're just blowing through. We're just going through the the cast list on IMDb and and checking it off. Yeah, it was great. It was really, really well done. Um, Yeah. I'm, you know, was just honored to be a part of it. Absolutely. I mean, you are iconic um, for sure. I mean, as a little girl who grew up reading comic books, it was so cool to see, especially with Power Pack, having it be uh, women working on it was huge. And also my age range. There wasn't like I feel like readers um, have always been on the younger side with Marvel books, but the characters weren't right. And definitely not female characters. Yeah. So yeah. I just, it's really amazing. Um, and I'm so excited to pass that on to my kids. My eldest is a writer himself. So um, yeah. it's just cool to see that kind of become generational. I love to hear that. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, oh, and then my, my middle, uh, my daughter is an artist. So uh, yeah. who knows? Maybe they'll be the next generation's June Brigman. Great. <laughs> Um, so I want to talk about Brenda Starr, though. Um, how long did you work on Brenda Starr for? Fifteen years. Um, wow. My, hu- my husband and I, we had like a little cottage industry. We worked with the writer, Mary Schmeek, uh, who is a real life, you know, Brenda Starr. She's a, a reporter, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter for the Chicago Tribune. And she had already been writing the strip for 10 years, I believe, before I started as an artist. Um, wow. I, I took over the artistic reins from Ramona Fraden, who is just one of my heroes. Uh, she's been in this business. I can't even tell you for how long. And I, I bet good money that Trina Robbins has written about her. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because she, you know, she was one of those groundbreaking artists. She mostly worked for D.C. And she's still, God, I mean, she, uh, Ramona's like 90, 92. Wow. Um, before COVID, she was still going to conventions and doing convention sketches that were so beautiful. You wouldn't believe. But yeah, my, my husband and I worked on Brenda Starr together. Um, Mary Schmeek was writing it. I was doing pencils. My husband was doing inking and lettering and we kind of, we, we, we colored the Sunday pages. We kind of traded off on, on coloring, but um, we did That's that so lovely. for 15 years. I think Trina and her husband work on things together too. And I think that's just so yeah. great. I would kill my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the guy, but there's a reason why we um, have separate jobs and separate yeah. spaces. <laughs> well, sometimes that, that works too. I mean, my yeah. husband worked together for a long time now and I, I, I think I think the secret is I leave him alone. He leaves me alone. <laughs> what he's doing, he knows. I know what I'm doing, and we just do our jobs and turn it in. Just respect way. each other's autonomy and get it done. I love that. I also I, I read also that you worked on Mary Worth. Yeah, we're currently we took over the Mary Worth comic strip. Um, gosh, twenty fifth. Wow. Yep, now we 
took that over from an artist named Joe Giella, who is another legendary artist. Um, just, just amazing. And he, I, gosh, I'm trying to remember how many years he had been doing it. For like 25 years, he retired at the age of 87. Whoa. I met him just after we took over the strip. I met him at, um, Baltimore Comic Con. He was there with his wife, and the guy is like he's eighty-seven. But he's totally together. He's fit. He's still going to the gym. He's going to retire and paint, do paintings. And his wife comes over and shakes my hand, and she goes, "Thank you." <laughs> <laughs> you made him stop. Oh, um, finally, at the ripe old age of eighty-seven, decided to retire. Um, but um, we, we work with a, a wonderful writer, Karen Moy. And um, it's just like with Brenda, I, I do the drawings. My husband does inking and lettering and um, coloring on the, the Sunday pages. That's incredible. I also noticed that you worked on some Barbie comics. Yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> yeah. It was different. I'm sure the writing probably isn't what you're used to working with. The writing was fine but it was i was working with mattel yeah uh, there there were i was working with marvel uh i had you know a, a marvel editor but then it was also being overseen by my by mattel and whenever you work with license a licensed product it's usually approval by committee mm. and it was strange um they did not Mattel did not call Barbie Barbie. She was referred to as the doll. Oh. <laughs> and I would turn in sketches and my, 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 like I would turn in roughs for covers and my roughs are not rough. They're pretty clear, pretty tight, pretty nailed down. And Mattel would reject them. And the editor would say, why? And they say, she gave Barbie four eyelashes. Barbie has three. Whoa. <laughs> I was like, but it's a cover rough. We can change it. Do you like it? You know, and that was weird. That's so bizarre. Um, we, I've, uh, in my other businesses I work with, Mattel, or at least with the, uh, like the designers of the dolls and they're really nice. But uh, I feel like, what, what, what years did you work with them? I can't remember. It was, I would say early 90s. Okay. The other thing was I would sometimes draw Barbie doing something that the doll couldn't do, like a more extreme pose of twisting or turning. And they say, the doll can't do that. <laughs> That's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. And well, she and, also can't talk. <laughs> right. I know. And yet here she is with word balloons coming out of her mouth. Um, <laughs> and it was also. Marvel didn't really market it very well. I mean, mm -hmm. they were still they were still marketing to pubescent boys who mm -hmm. care about Barbie. We even went to in the the town we were living at the time, White Plains, New York. There was a Barbie convention. Oh, we're like oh, let's go to the Barbie convention. Maybe we sell some of the original art. The people at this convention had no idea there was a Barbie comic. That's a bad sign. <laughs> <laughs> Yikes. Uh, Mattel is so different now um, 
they just released the first ever gender neutral doll called Creatable World, which is super cool for um, kids that don't necessarily fit the mold and want something that looks more like them and is customizable. You can change like the hair and the clothing and everything. It's, it's wild. That's, that's progressive. Yeah. I, yeah, I think so, too. So we got Barbie and we also worked on a Star Wars comic miniseries. Yes, um, with um, the same woman, uh, Louise Simonson, who wrote Power Pack. We did a four-issue um, Star Wars series for Dark Horse comic. And this would have been... Oh, you used to do a Dark Horse? Yeah. yeah. It was wow. Dark. Yes, yes. At that time, Dark Horse um, owned the, the licensing, the comic book licensing. And uh, this would have been like about the mid-90s, 94, Okay, yeah. How was that? It was great. Um, I mean, gosh, you know, I'm getting to draw Star Wars. I'm, you know, these characters from the Star Wars universe. Um, But still, once again, you're working with, you know, Dark Horse and Lucasfilm. Mm. And um, Weezy wanted to use Boba Fett. Mm. They're like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) If only they knew. You can't use Boba Fett. You're going to have, you just make up a character. And I was like, I am not making up a character that Lucasfilm is going to own. I have yeah. pre- previous history on some juvenile, some young reader books where I ended up make, making up characters. And I was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. So we went through like the Star Wars Bible and picked out this character. I should ask my husband. My husband is such a geek. He could tell me the <laughs> character that you saw for like five seconds. In one of the first movies, a goidal, a goidal, a something. I can't even, I can't remember. Some alien race. I don't know, but that's, yeah. that's who we used. That's hilarious. <laughs> a real deep cut character. Yeah. And then, of course, you did a Supergirl miniseries. I did. How um, was working on Supergirl? That's such an iconic character. Oh, yeah, that was huge. That was, that was, um, it was really interesting. And I, I was working with Roger Stern, who's a great writer, and, and Mike Carlin was editing. And uh, it was, yeah, it, it was very cool. I mean, I never thought I'd get to draw a character like that. That's such, as you said, you know, the very iconic DC character. Yeah. And it was, it was a lot of fun. Really Do you, um, not to compare them or get you in hot water, but what, what's the main differences between working with DC and Marvel? I can't really remember <laughs> a difference as, yeah. as far as how I was treated, how I was paid, the editors. It was good. Awesome. Well, that's a really safe answer. <laughs> I like it. I'm not trying to make enemies. Um I wanted, oh my gosh, I also read, and this is actually part of the trade back in the the Power Pack first volume that I was reading that you're a Bruce Springsteen super fan. Is that still true? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Are absolutely. you, you live in, you lived in Jersey or how did that come uh, about? I don't know because I grew up in Georgia. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody's like scannered and, you know. It's oh Georgia. gosh. Yeah. Who's Bruce Springsteen? I'm not sure how, that, I, I think. Probably my boyfriend at the time who became my husband was a big Springsteen fan. He kind of turned me on to Springsteen. Well, he, he's got America's butt, so you can't say no to that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just finished 
listening to um, a podcast called Renegades with um, Springsteen <gasps> Obama in conversation, which is cool. what a what a weird combination that is, by the way. It seems like it. I mean, very different backgrounds, but um, you know, they were they had a lot in common uh, dealing, you know, with with growing up with with feeling like outcast. Uh, Absolutely. Common with the relationship with their fathers. Um, and, you know, and they, they love their country. So oh, yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was fun. It was, it was a great lesson. I highly recommend it. I feel like Bruce um, Springsteen is joked about a lot, but the content of his songs and the meaning and the story and the heart is definitely there. It really, it resounds with me and I'm all of, you know, 32 years old. So <laughs> if it's, if it's speaking to me, uh, I think it definitely has a lasting um, special thing to it. Yeah, I think so too. I love that you're still a Bruce Springsteen fan. <laughs> um, so you were doing portrait drawing um, prior to working with Marvel or even picking up a comic book, uh, mostly like drawing children and families. Is that correct? I, yes, before I discovered comics, uh, I mean, I, I was an artist from childhood. And at some point I got interested in doing portraits and I, I got a summer job at um Six Flags Over Georgia. Yes. And, um, and I was doing portraits. These weren't caricature characters. These weren't the huge heads and funny. These were supposed to be straight portraits. And it was just profile because that's the simplest, quickest view to draw as a profile. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was done in pastel. And we were supposed to take like 10 minutes to do it. And I would take 20, 30, which is pretty much story of my life <laughs> as long as I should to do any kind of artwork but uh I learned a lot um I I and and people wanted their kids done parents would like you know they wanted their kid to sit there and be still and um you know it's hard for a kid to, to sit still yeah and, and you're in an amusement park they don't want to sit there and have their portrait done they want to go ride the log flume or something Mm-hmm. But, um, but it was a great experience that I ended up doing um, over like 600 for, over the course of the summer. So it was, how old it, were you? I was 16. I was old enough to drive myself wow. to the amusement park. And, uh, I grew up in um, Kansas City, Missouri, and the, the amusement park there is worlds of fun. And I thought about becoming a cartoonist there. But then I was like, do I want to do that? I don't think I have. I feel like I'm pretty personable, but to a limit. <laughs> <laughs> I could only handle so much of that. But that must have been kind of fun, though. I mean, you learned so much and developed your skills. Oh, I did. I did. I mean, I, I can draw the hell out of a profile now. <laughs> <laughs> Profiles ain't got nothing on you. Um, and so that kind of is a great segue into working on Power Pack. Um, something that was mentioned in that 616 episode was just how Luis found it remarkable how you could capture children and have them look authentic and as someone who draws myself, uh, it's not easy to capture children and not make them look like creepy Benjamin Button, you know, <laughs> or Total Recall. What, what is his name? <laughs> that, that creature in his stomach. But um, I, but you could definitely I mean, just looking at like the first issue of Power Pack, just those are children. And the way that Luis wrote them, they sound like children. And I can't help but love. I actually posted it to our socials 
because I just reread it. Um, the 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 feminism in '84, you know, where the girls were calling the boys um, chauvinist pigs, <laughs> and I was like, wow, this really this really stands up. Um, but it's just so delightful uh, how you capture children. It's just it's really something remarkable. Well, thank you. Um, I was just fortunate that that came along because it was something I had a clue about. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I had no idea what I was doing. I was really thrown into the deep end when I started, but I, I could do, I could do children and they look mm-hmm. like, there's some very funky drawings in those first few issues. I was learning on the job, but I had a clue about drawing children. And the reason I, I, I got that work was that this was, you know, the age of the superhero. Mm-hmm. And there were some amazing artists working at the time. And they were really good at drawing, you know, the big hyper-muscular superhero type characters. But it, w- it was hard to find somebody who could draw children that didn't just look like tiny, shrunken adults. <laughs> totally. Uh, I just got... I just got very lucky that that came along when it did. And you were pretty young too. You would have been what, 24 when that started? 23? I was was 20. Actually, when the first issue came out, I was, I was 23. Wow. That's, that's a huge job at that age. It was, um, but it was just, it was a very different time. Um, There weren't schools where you could learn how to do comics. You had to be, almost all the artists were, were self-taught. And it was a time when the, the companies were really gearing up and really starting to produce a lot of books. Mm-hmm. They wanted bodies to draw these books to fill the shelves in the comic book shops. Mm-hmm. So that was how somebody like me, who just could barely draw <laughs> a comic <laughs> You know, that was how I was able to get in and suddenly find myself drawing a, a, a monthly comic for, for Marvel. Did you go into the Marvel offices frequently or did you work from home or how did that work? Uh, we ended up, we, we, my husband and I both grew up in Atlanta, but when we got these first jobs, we decided to move to New York. Um, we didn't live in, in the city. That was a little too much culture shock for <laughs> It's from Georgians. <laughs> White Plains, which is just like a 30 minute train ride from Grand Central. Okay. And um, I mean, by then there were, of course, there was no internet. Um, there was FedEx. You could FedEx in your pages and, and Marvel, DC, the companies would pay for it. But we went in, we would go into the city and the offices about once a week or once every two weeks. A lot of times we'd pick up a paycheck because it was very hand to mouth then. But it's wow. also how we made our, our connections. We were networking. I mean, we made, uh, we got to know editors. We got to know other artists. Yeah. Did you meet Stan Lee? I did meet Stan Lee. What was he like? You want to hear my Stan Lee story? I would love to hear your Stan Lee story. <laughs> I was just starting work and I went into Marvel. I think this was when they were at 28th and Park. My husband wasn't with me. Went in by myself for some reason. I had my portfolio in my hand. I don't know what I was doing, but I'm, I get on the elevator. I'm like the only one in the elevator. And the door's about to close. And it's just, I swear, it's just like in a movie. This guy comes dashing in just as the doors are closing. And I, I look at him like, holy shit, Stanley. 
I knew exactly who it was. I'm like, say something. Should I not say something? I'm like, come on, it's Stanley. So I said something like, oh, Mr. Stanley, Mr. Stanley. Yes, I said, my name is June Brigman. And I, and before I could explain to him what I did, that I worked for Marvel, he recognized my name. And he grabs my hand and starts pumping my hand. And he says, oh, yes. Oh, yes, my dear. You do Power Pack. I have your poster in my office. Wonderful work. Wonderful work. New. But I think this was at a time when he was out in Hollywood and he was getting a lot of grief for not really keeping up what was going on with Marvel Comics. Mm. He had been doing his homework. Mm-hmm. And like just after the first couple of issues of Power Pack had been released. So he knew the book. He knew my name, knew exactly what I was doing. And like by the time we got up to the Marvel office and the doors open, he could have sold me the Brooklyn Bridge. He was <laughs> charismatic and charming. And uh, yeah. He seemed to really care, too. It doesn't seem like it's not a faceless. Absolutely. I feel like back then, I mean, it's always been this way that his face and name was plastered on everything. And I know of another person who does that, who used to be president and there couldn't be more different from each other. (laughs) That's such a nice story. Um, You also uh, are you currently a teacher? Not at this moment. I just I took winter semester off because of of COVID. I felt like I I, I don't really like to teach virtually. I like to teach face to face. Mm -hmm. I was a little bit concerned. I I thought this winter might be bad. And also I'm I'm busy right now. So I kind of needed the time. Um, But I I taught for two years at the Joe Kubert School of Cartoon Art in Dover, New Jersey. Yes. And then when we moved from New York to Atlanta, um, I taught for nine years at Savannah College of Art and Design at their Atlanta campus. And then I took a couple of years off. I finished my master's degree in illustration from SCAD. And then this fall, I started teaching at the um, at Kennesaw State University, which is a, a big university here in Georgia, has an amazing art program. It is the largest public art program, college art program in the country. Wow. Um, I started teaching there part-time and uh, they have a, a great animation program and uh, comic book courses. So it must be so strange coming from a background where they didn't have comic book courses to be teaching it now. Not really. I mean, I teach, the only reason I was interested in teaching was when I found out I could teach what I know. When mm. I found out that there were schools offering courses in sequential art. That gotcha. And I, everything I teach is, doesn't come from like any kind of academics. Uh, it comes from experience. That's the best kind of teacher though. I hope so. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I I feel like I have trouble verbalizing what I know. And that's when I'll be like, oh, here, just let me draw it. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That must be strange. I'll show you what I'm saying. I'm better at doing that. Yeah. I wanted to talk about your relationship with Luis Simonson. I think that 
I mean, you guys are the the power duo behind Power Pack, and I and you've worked on other things as well. Are do, are you guys still keep up with each other? Or are you still? We do. I mean, yeah. A lot of times we keep up through through Facebook. Um, we'll see when you know we could still do conventions. We we run into each other at conventions when we were both in New York for the the six sixteen filming. That was great. We got to hang out and have dinner and. Was that prior to the pandemic? Yeah, that was winter of 2019. Oh, wow. Right before. Yeah, that um, must have been lovely. It was. It was it was great. It was a great experience. Um, the director was so good. And uh, it's just, you know, it's just always fun to get to go and hang out in the, the city and do the museums and see friends, see Wheezy. And, um, you know, we whenever we see each other, it's just like, I mean, sometimes maybe we haven't seen each other in a year but it's like it was yesterday is that kind yeah. of yeah you guys sound like you should have like a beverly cleary series june bug and wheezy <laughs> <laughs> um but you've known each other for almost 40 years now beginning of 38 it is like i mean we started working on power pack the first issue came out in 84 we started working on it in like 83 so It'll be coming up on two years or so. Yeah. Wow. And now speaking of power pack, is there a new power pack coming out? I am working. We are working on a a five issue. And is that with Luis as well? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The gang is back and back together. It's like 1984 power pack. Ah, I love that. We left off. So they're still really young. Ah. There's no internet <laughs> books. Hard the, good, the good old days. Uh, there's fanny packs and big hair and um, real eighties, not the eighties we got. Well, I won't trash that. I won't trash that. But we just reviewed Wonder Woman 1984, and, and we were really excited going into it about like, you know being immersed in the eighties. My co-host is older than I am, so she's very eighties, um, and we didn't get enough of that. But I feel like Power Pack extremely 80s and i can't imagine if you're gonna roll that over into the new issues that's gonna be really exciting yeah yeah i'm working i'm not sure when it's going to come out it would help if i finished it um i'm working on the third issue now two more to go so i'm not gonna say yeah you can't promise anything I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of out of your hands. Yeah, there's so many of my friends that are writers and and artists and I'm like when is it coming out? They're like you know, you you kind of find out when I do. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> and finally I wanted to talk a little well, not finally. I like well, let's keep going. <laughs> um the Ink Pot award that you got in 2014. What an honor. It was. Yeah. It was, how it was How do you receive that? How do you get the news? How do you know if you're uh you know, nominated? How does any, I, I have no idea how that works. Well, I mean, it, it happened when I, I was an invited guest at uh, San Diego Comic-Con that year. And that happened because the year before my, my, my husband actually wrote to the powers that be and said, Hey, this is going to be the 30th anniversary of the release of the first power pack. You should have my wife June out to the convention. Oh, we should do that. And they did. Wow. <laughs> so husband. Yeah, the first time I had ever been to, to San Diego. Um, so yeah, they, they had me and my husband out there and we were living like rock stars for a while. 
And I think, and Walt and, and, and Wheezy were out there then too. And Walt goes, you know, I bet they're going to give you an ink pot. I was like, oh, well, that would be nice. Wait, did you not know if you were nominated? I don't think they not, I don't think it's voting. I don't, oh. think, it's, I don't think it's like a Harvey or an Eisner award. Gotcha. I think it's just the powers that be at San Diego decide you've done enough that you earned it and that's it. That's wild. It's kind of, I mean, dude, I kind of saw it as like a, like a lifetime achievement almost award. It seems like you have to have a pretty good body of work. I think so. I think it's a question yeah. of, uh, you know, long-term, you know, work in, in the comic book field. Well, it couldn't have gone to a better artist. <laughs> it, it is, it is a huge honor. Well, you know, June, I think we kind of covered the bases. Um, this has been delightful. I really appreciate you coming on. And honestly, it's a, you're such a nice addition to our little menagerie of women creators that we've had on. And um, I just, I couldn't be more grateful that you came on to talk to me. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it. We did it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Yeah! We did it. We did it. (laughs) (laughs) A huge thanks to our guest, June Brigman. What a fucking delight. Check out our website, mastersoftheobvious.com for new episodes, news and merch. Our Instagram at Masters of the Obvious, Facebook at Masters of the Obvious and Twitter at Masters of the O. Or you can follow Kirsten Bosey on TikTok for behind the scenes. Maybe Kirsten Bozio should start a Masters of the Obvious one. <laughs> Maybe Kirsten Bozio should. I'll talk to her. And if you'd like to be a patron of our show, you can go to contribute.mastersoftheobvious.com. And if you'd like, we'll even mention you on the show. But if you want to remain anonymous, we understand. We'll mention you on the show until you contribute. We'll mention you on the show until you cry, uncle. <laughs> Please don't forget to leave a glowing review on Apple Podcasts and to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on to get notifications on new episodes. Thank you so much for listening, and we love you, like, a lot. My left breast more than my right. What's that left one called? Gary. And the right is she. When you said thank you, you're like, thank you. Thank you. <laughs>